The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. There came a sound from heaven, a mighty rushing wind. It feels. I want to talk to you tonight. I talked a while back, a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago, about how Jesus sends us out as sheep among wolves. Now, I remember I talked to you about how strange that was. Sheep among wolves. Nobody would send sheep among wolves and expect the sheep to survive. I mean, you farmers out there. Sheep have no defense system. I mean, they have no defense system. They, uh, you know, like goats do. Goats, you know, they'll ram, ram you. In fact, you, uh, geese. They're mean as a rattlesnake, geese are. Geese will grab you. When they grab you, they grab you, and they twist, and they pull. And it'll leave a purple, it'll leave a rainbow, one of them rainbow bruises, you know, purple and, and red and, and, and yellow on a bruise. I've had it. And uh, I had a, one of my geese, I had a goose, they were big. They could fly. Geese are, oh, my, they're majestic flyers. Because they had no mama. They they, I learned something about raising animals without mothers. They need their mother. Their mother teaches them how to eat, how to fly, how to have defense, and everything else. Well, I'm not a very good mama. And I really did have a hard time flying. You know? And so the, I never could really get off the ground. And so they would do this and get up in the air, and it'd scare them. They'd look at each other. Then they go like this, and they get up in the air, and they look at each other. What was that? Well, they have uh, four by four foot wingspan. I had these big old white geese, big, big, huge wingspan, and they'd go like this, and they'd lift them. They'd be like scared. One time they they would be running, and they'd do this, and all. I mean, I mean, man, they are aerodynamic. Boom! They start taking. And when they fly, they don't fly. They don't fly slow. They fly fast, and they start picking speed up. Like boom, they're going forty five in a heartbeat. And then how do you stop? We ought to see a goose stop the first time they ever fly. It's rolling, hit the ground, rolling head over heels. They don't know how to stop. They just crash, man. I was like, go to the lake, go to the lake. No, no. They needed their mama. They needed needed help. And they can't make it without them. We're that way. God has placed the local church, pastors, deacons, to protect you, to help you, to keep you from being damaged by the wolves that are out there. Tonight I want to talk to you not about sheep among wolves, but I want to talk to you about wolves among the sheep. Um, It's maybe one of the more distasteful, uh, I wish I didn't have to preach about this, but I do, because I wouldn't be right if I didn't warn you. Take your Bible to Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. I'll spend a few minutes here talking about, we started a little late, but it won't be long, and I'll be able to help help you in this. Uh, 
wolves among the sheep. So we talked about sheep among the wolves. I send you out as sheep among the wolves, and Jesus said, beware of that. The Bible also warns us heavily that there'll be wolves among the sheep. Matthew 7, 15 says, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. The word ravenous, I looked it up, rapacious, insatiable, voracious. All those words are synonyms. All those words are synonyms. Insatiable, rapacious, voracious. Uh, I've learned when Jesus says something to listen. I probably haven't learned it like I should learn it, but I have, I've tried to learn when Jesus says something, listen. Jesus made a lot of uh, promises and prophecies and predictions. This is one we do not hear memorized, however, or recited in Sunday school class, this verse 15 here. You don't hear that recited. You hear all kinds of other verses recited, but it's important that we remember that in, with all the other good stuff he said in chapter 7, he said this too, that there would come people that would feign that they were innocent, harmless sheep. They were part of you. But they would eventually manifest themselves out to be not just wolves, but they would be ravening wolves, insatiable in their appetite, voracious in their demeanor, ultimately. Jesus promised that after he left, there would come people who were like wolves, but different than normal wolves. They would appear to be sheep. The sheep are normally harmless, and, and they would never invoke fear, and that's why they get in. But what makes these people dangerous is the perspective, the perception that they have that they're sheep. Example would be, if I had a rattlesnake, an educated adult comes across a rattlesnake. In fact, I'm going home the other night, just before dark and crossing the road just but just at my house is a cotton mouth, a moccasin, a cotton mouth. And uh, they're old nasty snake. They're a nasty old snake. Cotton mouth is a, has a bad attitude, and they'll tell you they do. All you got to do is get by them. And uh, this cotton mouth, they'll take you on. One of the few snakes will actually come after you. A rattlesnake tried to run away from you most 99 out of 100 times, but, but not a cottonmouth. You ain't cottonmouth mad. He'll come at you, and uh, especially if you're swimming. I've had cottonmouth try to get in my boat at Okeechobee. I mean, they, they flat were trying to get in the boat. I'm whipping them with my rod. I'm beating on them with my rod trying to keep them from getting in the boat. I was with my dad one time, and they were hanging over the top of us in the trees over the top of us. We're fishing for crappie. And he said, you know, if one of them falls in the boat, I'm out of it. I said, Dad, whatever you do, don't come to the back real quick or we're going to sink, you know. He said, I don't care what happens. One of these drops in the boat. Because if a cottonmouth drops in the boat, it ain't going to be easy to get rid of him. It ain't going to go easy. It's not going to go easily. Uh, but if you can take a, a poisonous snake, and most adults, most educated, mature people don't have a trouble. They don't have too much trouble. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll avoid it, you know. I, I told the builder next door, they're building, by the way, a... Uh, high-end collision repair company next to us for you people that wreck your cars. And they're going to put an eight-foot concrete wall up around the whole property. That's to keep you from looking at the old crash cars. And it is going to, it's going to be nice. It's going to be nice. But uh, 
I told the guy over there, why those guys are tearing all that out, and you know, they're they're taking all most all. They're not gonna they're gonna leave some of the trees. They're gonna leave trees in the back and the trees on the side here. And as they clean that thing up, I said, remember, coral snakes are in there. He said, what? I said, we've killed two coral snakes, mature adult coral snakes here at Gospel. And I said, according to a well-educated veterinarian friend of mine, that we probably have uh, an adult population of coral snakes that are here. Makes sense. That's never been cleared, probably since the flood. And... Uh, they're, 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 you know, I said, well, as you guys are walking around in there clearing that, they need to be where there's coral snakes. And he says, man, I appreciate you telling me that. But for adults, it's not a real big problem. There are rattlesnakes over there. There are coral snakes over there. There are scorpions over there. I guarantee it's Florida. Welcome to Florida. Place of reptiles. Some of them have hairdos, some of them don't. To an educated person, to an educated person, uh, a, a rattlesnake's not a problem. A coral snake's not a problem, is it? Well, what about a baby? What about your little baby? A coral snake's beautiful. They're, they're beautiful to look at. Red on yellow. And a little kid, your little child, if I took a coral snake and laid it down there, your little girl would just go over there. Pick that little coral snake up to her death. And that that defines what we are here. We are mature believers. That a, 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 a wolf come in sheep's clothing, they're, they're going to smoke him out or smoke her out. They're going to smoke him out. It's not going to hurt them ultimately. I mean, ultimately, they're going to, deal with it and, and, and not be it. But there's babies in every church. There's babies in every group. Just new saved people or people that have just come out of the world and gotten right with God. These are the people they're most dangerous to, are the babies. Let me go through a few lessons I've learned by doing the study on this. Number one, lesson number one, who warned us about these wolves? Well, there's a, and, and first of all, we know Jesus warned us by our text in Matthew 7, 15. In Matthew 24, 11, he says, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. That is one of the saddest scriptures in the whole Bible. There's a few very, very sad scriptures in the Bible. One of them is found in Genesis where, where God comes to the garden and says, Adam, Adam. Adam, where art thou? That's a sad scripture to me. He was hiding. That's sad. I just want to cry like a baby. Throw myself on the floor and say, what did you give up? What did you give up? What did you give up? And when I, when I see this, when Jesus said, many false prophets shall rise. Now think, he's just kicking the church out. The church just getting kicked off. And it hasn't even been kicked off yet. Acts chapter 1 hasn't come. The 120 haven't been anointed. It hasn't happened. And so it just the very get-go, before it ever starts, he said, many false prophets are going to rise up. Many wolves in sheep's clothing. A false prophet doesn't come up to you and say, I am a false prophet. I am going to lead you astray. I am going to pollute you to where you become ineffective in your walk for God. 
Happy day. A false prophet comes and says, I'm the best things that you've, you've seen. I'm, I stand for truth. I told you stories about how our folks go north. Sometimes they get in liberal churches, and, they'll, and I'll call them about it, and I'll find out they're in a liberal church. I say, man, you got no business going there. I'll say, well, preacher, they preach the Bible. I'm like, I'm talking to a baby handling a coral snake. And he falls, prophets arise, and this is the part, deceive men. Joseph Smith arose and deceived seven plus million. Russell and Rutherford arose, and according to their numbers, have deceived 15 million. Mary Baker something Eddie arose. What was the name of the Seventh Avenue? Ellen G. White arose and deceived some seven million Seventh day Adventists. Folks, the list goes on and on and on. When Jesus says many believing, many have been deceived. John the Baptist, excuse me, John the Apostle of Love, not John the Baptist. 1 John chapter 4, he says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits where they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. It does not and should not surprise you that TV, Christian TV, is full of false teachers in direct disobedience to knowing Scripture up there preaching. Should not make you up. You should not. Oh, they they look, they got a big, why? Well, they got 35,000 people listening to them. I don't care if they got 35 million people listening to them. The 10 spies said not to go into the land. It was the minority report that was the true report, Joshua and Caleb. The majority in off times is wrong on those kinds of things. The apostle Peter talks about it in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. And there were false prophets also among the people, even as there are, shall be false teachers among you who privily, privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying, denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. In other words, they're going to teach things that Jesus was against. And you see it right everywhere. Churches into worldliness. And Jesus <laughs> said, through the word of God, love not the world, neither the things that are the world. Paul talks about it, Acts chapter 20, verse 29, Acts chapter 20, verse 30, and also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Oh, that must have been a heartbreaking statement for Paul to say. Here he was meeting with the leaders of the local churches that he personally, through the Holy Spirit, literally had been beaten for, had been stoned for. He presented the gospel. They got saved. He, he ordained leaders and elders in the churches under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He speaks, among your own selves, men are going to rise up speaking perverse thing and lead away many. Oh, why did that have to break your heart? That's true. Paul again warns 1 Corinthians eleven nineteen. for there must also be heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. I spoke in my Sunday school class about that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12, he says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how will say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? There was, there was people saying there's no resurrection. 
And he says, basically, thank God for chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. He said, if there's no resurrection, if there's no resurrection and Christ is not have raised, is he, if he never was raised from the dead, folks, we are of all people most miserable folks. <clears throat> if there's no resurrection. Why? Because we think we're not in our sin, but we're still in our sins. And it's a horrible place to be deceived. But Christ indeed is resurrected. Everything that is true has replicas, false replicas. How many here watch the road show? Come on, admit it. Cough it up. Well, the rest of you ought to watch the road show. You know, turn off basketball. But I like to watch the road show. I learned a lot on the road show. I learned one thing that every, every genuine has about 100 replicas. Don't you like it when this person comes in and they'll say, well, what'd you pay for this? I paid $2,500 for this priceless Ming Voss. And the guy will go, well, I got some bad news. At a good day, it'd be worth 10 bucks because it's a fake. I just saw it the other night. Something that, man, they went to great effort to make this replica and to make this fake. Why? The Bible says there's false dreams, according to Jeremiah chapter 23, 32. There's false divination, according to Ezekiel chapter 21, 23. There's false vision, according to Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 14. There's false apostles, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verses 13 through 15. There is false teachers, as we've already read in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. False teachers and prophets will be a constant problem in the New Testament church. Do you agree? That was what was told us from day one, from the get-go, from the beginning. Jesus said there's going to be false teachers on your right hand and on your left. It should not surprise you that there's Job Witnesses. It should not surprise you that there's Mormons. It should not surprise you that there's, there's pseudo-Christians on every hand trying to pervert. It should not surprise you. shouldn't. Now, it hurts you. It hurts my feelings. I hate it. But we learn that there will be false teachers, and it's not going to end till Jesus comes. Don't you like the Lord's Prayer when he says, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to there ain't no more false teachers. There ain't no more deception, no more lying, no more double dealing. You know what I mean? No more under the table, no more, no more back room, just honest, open, oh, Righteousness will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea, the Bible says. Woo! We, you ain't seen nothing good really yet. Now I'm going to get this. We're going to get to be there by the grace of God. We'll, if I may put it in a farm talk, we'll be wallowing in righteousness. Second thing I learned is, well, first of all, we're warned about wolves in sheep's clothing by the Bible. So we ought to have our head up, amen? We ought to have our head up. We ought to be looking. Have we had them here at Gospel? Yes, they've tried to come in here. But we quickly dispatched them. The second thing is, there's a method to the wolves in sheep's clothing. Uh, they rise up as authorities without any personal investment or personal cost to themselves. Uh, Paul labored and suffered for what he labored for. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail, our laboring night and day, because we would not charge any of you and preach unto you the gospel of God. 
a false prophet will come in, they'll be a taker, not a builder. They will come to steal, not to labor patiently for years. Uh, they will be like wolves that take what others have labored for for themselves. Uh, we need to be careful of anyone coming to you and start putting themselves forward as leaders or teachers or preachers who have not, uh, by examination and careful careful examination, earned respect through long labor and toil in the ministry and in their lives. I know Brother Moon. I work with him. I've eaten more with Brother Moon than I do with my own wife. That's a sad thing. I figured one time I ate with Brother Moon 250 times a year. I bet, Angie, you don't eat with him that much. It's sad. But I get the privilege of eating with Brother Moon that much and uh, because it's part of what we do. And brother, I, I know Brother Moon. I feel like, I mean, I feel as a human can know a human, I know Brother Moon. That's the kind of guy you put your weight on. Some, some boy come in here don't know him very well. I mean, Brother Chris, he's still in the pro, he's still on probation now. Hair like that. Makes him suspect right up front. False prophet come in, they tear down what's there immediately, begin to rebuild and replace it with their own teaching. They attack our hymn books. Some old boy comes up, start attacking the hymn books. You've got to fight with me, brother. You're going to have to shoot me to get rid of this right here. You will have to literally kill me to get rid of this right here. God gave it to us. It's an ancient landmark our forefathers gave us. They've paid with the blood, the Holy Spirit, and moved these people. A brother, brother Tom's doing those hymn stories. And more now than ever before, even though his major is music. Brother, we hear them hymn stories in my Sunday school class. I tell you, I never get over what God has done to give us these. This is a blessed, sweet thing. These preachers come in and say, the first thing, you want to grow your church? No, I want to be right with God. The essence of this thing is not to grow. The essence of this thing is to be pleasing in his sight. He grows Did not Jesus said, I will build my church. These guys come in as church builders. I'm a church builder, man. I'll double your attendance, triple your offering, and you'll be on easy street. But the first thing you got to do, you got to get rid of this. Oh! Oh! We can't live with this old piano. Well, this piano, man, that's old hat. These young people, you're never going to have 20-somethings come into church with that piano. Then we aren't going to have any 20-somethings. Oh, that organ. Oh, you got to get rid of that organ. That organ is old-fashioned. That is, the people today, nobody listens to an organ anymore. Get rid of that organ. Oh! We don't need evening services. Why, it's too much for me to prepare that many times. Lazy. I had guys say, one of my uncle, and I've told this story probably too many times, but I enjoy telling it, just humor me. Uncle Stan helped build a church up in Indiana 44 years, served as a deacon chairman of the board, and they invested, who knows what he invested in that place. 
this old 30-year-old came in there as their pastor. And he said, why, I can't prepare a good sermon more than one a week. So I'm gonna, I got to quit teaching Sunday school. Let's get rid of that. I am going to have, don't know Wednesday night. We're not going to do that. And we're not going to have Sunday night because I just can't prepare that many times. I can only preach one time a week, and it may be high quality. Pastor, uh, my uncle called me up. He said, how many times do you preach a week? I said, four to five times. He said, well, how do you do it? I said, oh, you got to get with God. You got to read your Bible. You've got to study. You got to put your hand to the plow, not look back. I said, it's it's work. It's W O R K work. You got to be all over it. You got to be a hundred percent on this thing, or you won't be able to do it. And 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 serve up you girls that cook. It's the same thing. Well, Carla Morris, she fixes a meal, she goes and buys the stuff, preps it, has to do the planning, puts it all together. I'm not quite sure what she puts in that food, but brother, once you eat it, you feel like you're at home. I mean, it takes a lot fixing three of those meals. And what if your wife came up to you and said, I'm sorry, it's just too much work, Marty. You can only eat once a day. You go, They come in and say, we we got to cut our service. We don't need less of God. We need more of God. We don't need less of the preaching. We need more preaching. We don't need less singing of God about God. We need more of that in our life. We need less world and more God. Less world, more God. The whole tendency and direction to cut the thing back and to do less and to have less influence is the wrong direction. People that love God and are called according to His purpose want more in their life, not less. I love it when people come up to me and say, Preacher, you don't preach long enough. Preach longer. They do. I regularly people come up. I won't name them because I don't want you to stone them. <laughs> they come up to me and say, Preacher, that's not long enough. Do longer. I'm under pressure. Guy comes in here, a wolf says, We don't need revivals. That's old fashioned. We don't need confrontational evangelism. That offends people. We don't need to go door to door. That doesn't work. The bus ministry costs too much. These are, I'm not making these up. These are real. Things that have come back to me from real situations where wolves in sheep's clothing have come in privily and as a pastor of a church and they've come in to, to kill and to destroy. My uncle's story is he finally got in. The guy got in, cut all that stuff out. And when my uncle went to throw him out, they threw my uncle out. And all the guy, all the main, all the main people of the church got were thrown out. So many young people had come in, babies had come in that wanted worldly music and wanted rock and roll and, and wanted uh, they voted out the people who built the place. I said, uncle. Uncle, you waited too long. They'll be like attacking negative preaching. Oh, man, you can't have negative preaching. Well, Jesus thought it was good. The disciples thought it was good. You read the first sermon Peter preached. 
He cooked them, brother. He fried them up for breakfast. He fried them up. Second sermon, he fried them again. 3,000 got saved first one. 5,000 got saved the next one. Why well, I haven't preached as hard as those old boys preached. They attack the present leadership. Start gossiping, saying they ain't doing they, they say the old ways, it's old-fashioned. By the way, I'm not ashamed of the word old-fashioned. There is nothing wrong with the word old-fashioned. You know what I mean? You're, I'm going to start wearing those uh, polyester suits again, I think. My yellow polyester double-breasted suit. They say you're self-serving, short-sighted, dictatorial, deluded, not relevant, flat-out dumb. But you know another thing I noticed about them? They don't care about the babies. They want change at all costs. Does that sound familiar? Last eight years. They want change at any cost. They don't care if it kills the babies. They're going to have change. They, sp they didn't spend their time in winning and laboring and nurturing the babies and caring for them. No, no, they didn't. No. Now, how do we avoid these? How do you avoid? How do you avoid false teachers? How do you, how do you avoid these wolves in sheep's clothing? First of all, that's why God gave you leadership. If you have a time-tested leadership, people that have proven themselves to be true, they're not in it for the money. They're not in it for themselves. They're in it for God. And they've, they've, through a period of time, they've been tried and they've been tested that's what God has raised your leadership up to do. That's why it says three times in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 13 to obey those that have rule over you. It don't mean rule like cruel rule, but it means rule for protection. Rule to, to, to keep you from being deceived. It's being an overseer or a manager, somebody to walk guard over you. Um, it's, it, it's to centralize organization. To, uh, for propagation. By the grace of God, our deacon board, you know, the deacon, I always ask, I always ask the question, these churches have been taken over uh, by the modern church movement and destroyed. I always ask, where were the deacons? Where are my deacons? Where are the deacons? Deacons, don't let it happen. If I die of a heart attack, which is a great way to go. I'm actually praying in that direction. Boom, gone in heaven. A young guy in white walks down the aisle here, calls my name out. I'm like, I'm going. Well, I don't want to go the nursing home way. I, I've been eating more at McDonald's lately just to stop that whole thing. I've been hitting McDonald's pretty hard because, man, I just tell you, give me a double Mac, every, give me a, a double, triple, everything on it. I want the biggie fries. Sorry, Doc. My dad have a heart attack. You folks looking for a pastor. That's what you got deacons for. What you got assistant pastors for. But you got people been here a while for test. Trust them. Trust them. Don't rise up and get against them. Get with them. Support them. Pray for them. I hope you pray for your deacons. I pray for those deacons by name, brother. We got seven deacons. 
Uh, we got seven men that, that love God and want to do the right thing. Perfect or not, neither am I. A bunch of imperfect people all working together for a perfect God. It's a beautiful thing. And it's a testimony of the grace of God. What we've been through in the last year or so testified to the maturity level of those. By the grace of God, don't you let somebody come in here with some new ideas to build the church and to get a bunch of young people in here. Let me say this. If young people won't get saved the way I get saved, they're not going to get saved. That's printable. If young people aren't going to get saved the way I got saved, they aren't going to get saved. Let's not try to invent a new way for them to get saved. There's only one way to come to Jesus. Brother, you come broken and contrite or you don't come. You don't deceive people into getting saved. They need to get saved the way I, we all got saved. Coming, We need to come and ask Jesus to save I think of Romans chapter 16, verse, turn that if you would. Turn, I'm going to end with this. Romans 16, Romans 16, verse 17 and 18. What a, what a clear place Paul says in the, in the dear book of Romans, the most blessed of all the New Testament books, I believe, explaining the gospel of God, the thesis of the gospel of God. And in the end of that thing, he's talking to the church in Rome, and he says, I beseech you, brethren, I beg you, I beg you, mark that, which cause divisions and offenses, contrary to what? The doctrine. The doctrine, not your feelings. The doctrine which ye have learned and, 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 and unconditionally love them. Unconditionally love them. I've been hearing a lot of this lately. Unconditionally love them. Is that what it says? That's what some say. They say homosexuals. We, we, we should unconditionally love them. Well, homosexual causes divisions and offenses contrary to the teaching of the Bible, the doctrine which we have learned. And what are we supposed to do? What's it say? Void them. Well, that's not nice. How are they ever going to get saved if they're ever going to get saved? they got to admit homosexuality is wicked. And if they don't admit homosexuality is wicked, they're never going to be saved. Because you don't get saved unless you repent. Jesus said, except ye repent, you'll all likewise perish. In chapter 11, I think it is of Luke, verse 3 and 5. You've got to repent. And to repent, you've got to believe it's wrong. And so the best thing you can do for a homosexual is tell them what you're doing is going to send you to a, a burning, living hell where you'll spend the rest of eternity in punishment. Please turn from it. Please denounce it. Yet, what are we called? And this is a new word, by the way, we're hearing politically, hate crime. You can't literally oppose anything without that, the other group saying, you're hate mongers. Oh, it sounds good, doesn't it? The devil's great at labeling. He's great at labeling. He's one. He's better than most psychologists at labeling. Uh, he'll, he'll call something a sweet little name like gay. The word gay means to be happy. I feel bad for people with last name 
of Gay. I've known a number of people with the last name of Gay. Personally, I think I'd change my last name. That's just rough because the word gay is completely taken on. And the rainbow, they've tried to take hostage God's promise in the sky that's not going to flood the world all at one time. And, and the rainbow. Well, I bought some shirts innocently that were the color of the rainbow. Remember them shirts? Nobody bought. I wore them, wore them, wore them. I will say I got, I got interesting reception. Because it's the color of the rainbow. The Rainbow Coalition. It's the pro-homosexual coalition. They grab the colors of the rainbow to, to demonstrate to their cause. And here I am out there wearing the rainbow on a shirt saying, today's the day. I noticed them boys giving me the eye. It bothered me. Verse 18, for they that are, they, listen to what it says about this. Avoid them. Now, this can be not just for homosexuals. It's for anybody that is contrary to the word of God. Anybody. Name some that's contrary to the word of God. Anybody fits into these people who cause divisions, who cause offenses contrary to the doctrine uh, which ye have learned. And avoid them. If they're not repentant, avoid them. If they repent, we're told, of course, to forgive them and to receive them. That is clear. But these are talking about people who are not repentant, who are not willing to admit what they did is wrong. And in verse 18, it says, For they are such as serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches, that's their verbiage, they deceive the heart of the simple. False prophets come in. You're missed. Through the years, we've had about five or six of them come through gospel. And we've recognized them. And we've met with them. And we've tried to reason with them. And we've tried to win them. And we've tried to have compassion on them. But they would not refrain from teaching their heresies or doing those things which were contrary and to, the, to the doctrine of Scripture. And eventually we had to say, you're no longer welcome on the property of Gospel Baptist Church until you repent of what you've done, we're not going to go out to eat with you. Because it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, to those who call themselves brothers and yet are participating in the sins listed there, no, not to even eat with them. Now, I am preaching as much Bible right now as John 3.16. It is not well received, but it is as much of the truth of the Bible as if I sat here and quoted John 3.16 and everybody said, Amen. The truth is to, to um, give your approval on that which is evil is participating in it. You understand that? If I drive guy, if I drive Brother Moon to the bank and he robs it, we both go to jail. Now he goes longer than I do, but we both go to jail. If you say something is okay, the Bible says it this way about a false prophet in I think it's first second John. It says if you bid them Godspeed, that's just a normal greeting, like have a great day, God bless you. The Bible says if you do that to a false teacher, bid them Godspeed, you look it up. It's verse 7 through 11 of 2 John. 
you're a participator or partaker in their evil deeds. That's the Bible. You mean to tell me, Brother Bill, it's so specific that if I go to somebody that's doing wrong and I just bid them having a good day or having God's speed to them, that I then in some form or another become a participant of their evil? Yes, because you're in verbiage condoning it. And God says, you are to stand away from evil and not condone it in any way. If you do, I'm going to hold you in some measure responsible with them. That's the Bible. That's how you avoid it. And so people have come through, and we've said to them, you can't be part of this body of believers. Some of our babies have said, well, that's cruel. I don't think you ought to treat those folks that way. I don't think you ought to be mean like that. We're not being mean. We're trying to just simply obey the Word of God. Carefully obey the Word of God. Makes sense and in a group with all the way from brand brand new newborns all the way to old mature people that you're going to have some disagreement on that. But we all settle it's the Bible and we're going to do it. And then we let the chips fall where they may. One thing I've learned about, I haven't learned much, but one thing I have learned, if you make God happy, you don't have to worry about the rest. You just do what God wants you to do, he'll take care of all the rest. And God will help you by the grace of God. May God help us to avoid false teachers. Avoid them on the TV. Avoid them. What's funny to me is somebody will sit there and listen to a false teacher on TV have no idea whether that person's living right or not. You with me? They have no idea. They have no idea. They'll send money in. They'll, they'll, brother, I want to be able to, well, the guy that's preaching to me, the guy that's talking to me, I want to be able to know who he is and where he is and have some accountability on what's going on. And he don't have three or four wives out on the side there uh, I want to know what's going on before I listen to him because if he's out in disobedience to the word of God, he has no credibility. No credibility. That's the book. May God help us have wisdom. Father, help us tonight. May help, may help us have discernment of spirits. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, try the spirits to see whether they be of God. Help us to have the ability to know enough of the Bible to be able to try them, to be able to discern. Father, save these people from false prophets. Save them from the, the wolf as he comes dressed up in sheep's clothing. Father, save them from the pandering of the whole thing. Pray, God, that you'd give them discernment. There could be some in this room that come tonight. <clears throat> this mostly was for Christians. Maybe you're here tonight without Christ. Oh, we'd love to show you what it means to be saved like we've been saved. To have your sins completely washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ who has paid for every one of them on Calvary. We'd love to be able to talk to you, be able to listen to you, be able to pray with you, be able to help you in every way we can. Father, you come now as we have this short invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.